Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and another great show for you this evening. I'm very uh, excited to talk to uh, Ron Ronnie Vernet. He is uh, a Brazilian ufologist. He has looked and spoken to people in Peru with all that weird stuff going on that uh, you've seen in the news out there. Uh, there's a lot of strange things happening, and the answers, I think, are pretty strange that uh, gold, illegal gold miners would use jetpacks to search out, you know, uh, prospective areas to mine and, you know, instead of drones and things like that. So there's, there's strange answers from the authorities there and uh, many very scared uh, villagers. And he's talked to some of them also. Some similar things happened uh, in uh, the Brazil uh, part of the Amazon. And he's going to be talking about that as well, looking into all of these uh, type of cases. So that'll be uh, coming up in just a minute here. A couple of things. Uh, the blog this week is part three, is a 1968 UFO incident at Minot Air Force Base by Charles Lear. Those are turned into audio blogs here on the channel. And speaking of here on the channel, uh, Crossfire this week, I'm going to be hosting the Crossfire this time. Kevin Randall's a guest host. We're going to be talking about AARO and Kirkpatrick. And by the way, Kirk, uh, Sean, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick is going to be uh, live with a virtual uh, situation in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to be held, but I am signed up for it. I'm going to watch that. And uh, you're able to supposedly you're able to pose questions that uh, he may or may not get a chance to answer. So that uh, I don't know exactly where to tell you. I know it's the Hayden Center. Uh, you can Google it, and I will try to put something in the show notes once I find out more information because I don't even know what time it is. I think it might be 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, but I'm not positive about that. So, uh, yeah, so that's Crossfire this week. That's Thursday night at 8 to 10. Again, I'm going to be hosting that uh, or whatever you want. The, uh, I'm going to be leading that administering it, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's it. I want to thank everyone that supports the show and everyone that listens. And uh, we will be bringing the guest in right now. Ronnie, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, good night for everyone. Good night, Martin. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. I watching right now and after you enjoy it. That's right. And we're, we're, you were right in Rio de Janeiro, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's, I was surprised when you told me we're only in like an hour difference in time. Our time zones really close, two, right? Two hours, two hours. Oh, two hours. Yeah. Yes, it's uh -huh. like 9 p.m. right now here. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's something. I've, I don't know why I thought it was such a, a big time difference, but glad anyway that uh, I've had a lot of times where I've had people and coming on the show and we get the time mixed up, but it usually has to do with we have the daylight savings time changes here and they get all mixed up and then they never show up or or they're there an hour early or something like that but anyway so uh can you please give your background and what uh what uh, steered you to the interest of uh, ufology to begin with yeah uh, i'm not originally a ufo guy uh, i'm electronic and computer engineer here in brazil uh, i currently do i'm doing my master research in physics in area of artificial intelligence applied to experimental physics, more particularly to cosmic rays and high energy physics. And I'm also a longtime employee from federal government. I worked for more than 10 years at the Department of Energy here in Brazil, more specifically in area of petroleum, biofuels, and also in the area of technology where I manage a department there for logistics. So I, I started with the UFO stuff in 2020, in the middle of the pandemics. Uh, since, to, in fact, since 2018, uh, I was visiting a hotspot in Brazil, doing some not the research but some uh, local observations of phenomena there. I got really impressed about these hotpots located here in Rio de Janeiro, a state where I live, but in a remote area, more rural area, uh, around of mountains. 
and rivers and all these uh, preserved ecosystems. And since that time when I did this observation, I started to be very curious, very interested to, to study more and more. And as I said, in 2020, I started feeling some requests for Brazilian Information, uh, Freedom of Information Act. And it was very successful to bring a lot of documents and videos from cases in Amazon, cases that we are seeing today, for example, in Peru and also in Brazil. And that time uh, we're, we're talking about cases about almost 10 years ago. And these cases are happening, happening, happening uh, in waves, as we will discuss today. So this is where everything started. I see. Great. Well, uh, yes. Yeah, so when I started hearing about this happening in Peru, you know, I was contacted by a lot of different people about it, you know, mostly listeners, but they're all paying attention to it. But they're sending me uh, the, the strange things that they're sending me is that, you know, there's jetpacks and to me, right off the bat, you know, when a jetpack costs, you know, a quarter of a million dollars up to, you know, close to half a million dollars to buy a jetpack, it just doesn't seem like you'd have a bunch of them flying around trying to scare uh, villagers. So, first of all, uh, what did you think when you started hearing the answers like this, the jetpacks and all that, and for what was going on? Yeah, we need to remember that in July to August, uh, the case started near Iquitos, uh, which is known as the capital of the Amazon in Peru. Uh, and we have this little village called uh, San Antonio de Pintuyaco, which is a village uh, that we live, that where lives the Iquito people. That's the name of the, the, the Chinese of these this people. And at that community specifically, we have a case involving a girl, a 15 years girl called Talia. And this girl was uh, alleged encountered two beings that could fly using technological devices. And they cut her, superficial cut her in, in her neck. And mm, right. after that case, uh, immediately after that case, uh, the, the, the federal police from Peru went there to investigate. The Peruvian Navy also did some research about that, but was not, uh, not, went, not went physically to go there on the police. Uh, and all happened because of this case. But we need to remember that since June, these cases were happening more far, more south of Peru. In near Pucalpa, near Contamana, and other places, and this case started to move more to north in Iquitos, where this case with Talia, the girl Talia, happened. And right after the visit, or during the visit, I don't know where the right time frame, uh, the people or the police or the people from the community, we don't know with a lot of certainty, but they caught they they asked Talia, the girl, to hold the phone. And this phone, he had a Google image picture of, of a French guy, an inventor, uh, flying by using jet, a jetpack. Uh, so this was very good to media. This was very good to the Peruvian government that immediately after that photo went online in the portals, they said, okay, these are just illegal miners using jetpacks. And, but we need to remember, as you said, this specific guy, uh, and, and people said, oh, this is the guy that was floating uh, in that community. No, it's not right. This guy was, was just an inventor. It's just a picture from Google. And this started a wave of, uh, of stories about that, that 90% are ah. not true. And wow. as you said, these devices are very, very expensive. This specific device, uh, I think, was, is not operational. Uh, we have another kind of devices. And they, these devices have different characteristics. For example, a lot of noise because they are based in compressed air. Yeah. So, uh, what we, what, which is different what people are seeing that there are almost most all the time noiseless devices that they are uh, seeing in the in the jungle. And besides, a, a jetpack is something that, as far as I remember, they only last something like twelve minutes at best. Right. I mean, they they run out of fuel. They can't. That's the main problem of the jetpacks. They can't carry enough fuel 
um, to, you know, be, you know, really functional for very long. So uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And I had no idea that they were taking pictures from Google and all that. But people were talking about them, like the these things floating just a few inches off the ground too, right? Yes. Uh, no, no, just a few. It's almost the, most of the time they are flying like uh, three feet from the ground or two feet from the ground. But they also saw these beings, these floating beings, like in altitudes, like uh, converting is like uh, uh, 20, 20 feet high, which is, 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 mm -hmm. is a lot of high to a device like a, a jetpack or something like that. Uh, so we had, there are different descriptions of altitudes, but not as high as 20 feet, I would uh, imagine, by the, the testimonies of these people. And uh, then uh, there are people describing them as like seven foot tall. What are some other things that that people are describing? And you have spoken directly to some people at these villages, right? Yeah, I'm talking mostly with professor, teachers, school teachers of this, this village uh, to get more information since end of August. I'm, I'm in contact with them. Uh, I gave co some context to Timo Alberino, who visited this, this specific community of the Girl Talia, which is Santono Pintuyaku. And the Timothy's visit gave us a better description of what uh, people are seeing and confirmed the, the older, the previous descriptions that we saw uh, in the media and that we that, that I personally uh, obtained from them. Uh, they they, they des describe these beings as tall as uh, three to, to six, six uh, converting because they're converting units to, to US units. Meters, right? oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's like... Uh, the meters seven, seven feet in meters like two yeah. and a half meters right yeah mm -hmm. two and a half mm -hmm. meters uh, uh they reach almost two and seventy uh this is what they are describing uh, some describe like two and twenty meter meters uh so this is what they they're big 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 guys so these are the description about the the, the size of them they are all armored uh in a black suit uh, like a strong, like a robot, they describe like a robot or like an astronaut. Uh, hmm. In Brazil, for example, people describe it then as the, the Iron Man armor, uh, to describe it like a strong armor. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they describe something in the back, like a, like a huge, like what the astronauts have to hold the equipment. Uh, hmm. And also a helmet. To covering their face, a big helmet, a elongated head, and the eyes are luminous yellow uh, in, in most yeah. of the sightings. This is the description that they are talking. And about the devices, the most descriptions, uh, accounts of circular boots uh, or circular platforms, which is different uh, uh, from all the devices that we know as jetpacks. And mm. with these devices, these guys are able to lift in what we are talking like one meter to six meters in height from the ground. So these are the, but we have also descriptions of like hoverboards uh, as long as 15 feet uh, and also vehicles carrying two people inside. And these vehicles carrying two people inside is the most uh, described along the history in Brazil. From 70s to, to nowadays, we, we have a lot of descriptions of these crafts holding, uh, accommodating two people. It, this is the, the, a resume of what people are seeing there. When, they say, when you say a vehicle holding two, people's, two people, uh, what type of description and shape do they say? And do they actually see the people on the outside of whatever this craft is? And you know, I'm just trying to figure out how they understand there's two people then, or two beings or whatever in these craft and what they yeah. look like. In Brazil, it's more common to have, in previous cases in Brazil, in Amazon, it's more common to have cylinder-shaped objects, a vertical mm -hmm. cylinder, vertical orientation, uh, with two people inside. Uh, we have also drownings from the Air Force of this vehicle. 
Uh, and this vehicle was responsible in Brazil for the attacks with laser beams on people causing physiological effects and, and so on. That was very, a lot of, investigated a lot by Brazilian Air Force. But uh, in Peru, they're describing something like a, uh, a corn-shaped object, something, something different from the cases in Brazil, carrying also two people inside. Uh, and in Brazil also, five years ago, we had also descriptions of cylinders. So the, depending on the region, depending on the time, we, ha we have different uh, descriptions of this, the, the shape of these objects. But, but what's, what is similar between these uh, sightings of vehicles uh, are that they're, they're carrying uh, two people. And people can see these beings because these vehicles are almost translucent or transparent. Ah like a big ah. window, like a panoramic window. So this is huh. the reason that they could see these two beings. Wow. And that's, so that's what they were seeing in Brazil. They haven't seen, but the, when you say that they've seen these, you said almost like hoverboards or something like that. Is that, all, is that also something that's transparent that they're seeing the beings through? Now, when you say this platform, uh, these are boots that are attached to the boots of the beings that they could ah. fly. Uh, it's, for, it's like some uh, propulsion from this individual. Uh, when you say hoverboards, this could be as big as 15 feet that could carry two guys inside uh, standing in this hoverboard, like a surfboard, a floating surfboard or something like that. Uh, and we have also these vehicles uh, that, car that are almost like big drones uh, in different shapes uh, carrying these beings. So we have these three different uh, uh, classifications of things that people are seeing in, in Peruvian Amazon and also uh, something like that in Brazil. Now, I know I know this all, sound, this all does sound crazy. It really does. But there's so many people reporting this, these villagers. And one, one of the things I, I have to say when I've watched any of these videos is you can't fake the fact that they are absolutely terrified they are just really really scared and that's you know uh there's uh you know some people the skeptical uh people what and i think a case like all this should be looked at with skepticism but um uh, but they're saying that uh, you know it's mass hysteria you know and that's that's what this is all about and all that but i mean this is an ongoing thing. And uh, there's been some shooting at them. And they're saying that they don't, well, if they have like uh, body armor or whatever, that's, you know, I, I guess they're not, when they're shot at, nothing happens, right? Yeah. Uh, they describe they, they get close to these beings and immediately shot with the, these guys carry shotguns because it's the, the measure to protect them since they don't have police they don't have nothing governmental to protect them uh, closer to these villages so they carry shotguns and people that uh, say many people in many communities say that hit uh, the bullets of shotguns in these beings because they saw when they hit they saw some like a, a flash of light or something effect like, of like that and this in many ways disturbed these beings because they continue to flow to fly uh, on their path. So the interpretation of them is that the heat didn't affect or caused any damage for them. Hmm. And what about, um, has anyone claimed that they've seen like any big craft with, you know, like, uh, do I want to say mothership or something like all these things have, have, uh, come in together or, I mean, are people talking about those type of things too? No, in these cases in Amazon, these recent cases, uh, right now, or for example, uh, five to ten years ago in Peru and Brazil, we, we don't have any case that I remember of big ships. We have uh, small ships, as I said, carry one, two people, or these individuals, these floating beings. Uh, this is what people are, are talking about. Right, right. So, If you uh, permit, I could share some image there. Uh, yeah, you may have to, I think you're going to, you can try to, but uh, you have down at the bottom and the settings, it'll say present. Oh, 
Uh, I think you are doing it. Yes. Okay. Sometimes it doesn't work, but it looks like we got it here. Okay. Yeah. This is the this is a drowning from Brazilian Air Force uh, uh -huh. from '77 from Operation Saucer. This is one kind of the shapes that I mentioned. That's more yeah. what's more common in Brazil. It's a cylinder uh, where we have this panoramic window where we have where we have these two beings. And this is the device most viewed in Brazil in the end of 70s that was uh, sending, emitting light beams in the direction of people and causing many of physiological uh, effects on them. Uh, and this where my mouse is pointed is the device that directed this light beam, uh, that emits the light beam to affect people. And this is one wow. example uh, of, of many, many uh, shapes of... Uh, of, of craft that military saw and and drawn it during the operation saucer. Yes, yeah, so if you want, if you have some others, and also if you would please send these to me, and I will add them into the show links, uh, the show notes that is, so that the listener to the audio show can uh, actually yeah. look at these. So here's this another. Is artistic, this artistic depiction of the same object showing the mm -hmm. colors of the lights. This is a device that uh, directed the light beam. Uh, they have a lot of formats also descriptive in these this drawings of the military. And just to give an idea for the audience what kind of shapes that we, we the, the military saw and the people are seeing in Amazon during all these years. So this is actually comes from the military, you're saying? Yes, this is all drawings from the military. Isn't that... Except Amazing. this one, this one is a modern uh, version of Artist, these drawings, but this uh, mm -hmm. black and white uh, are, are all uh, drawings from the from the military. They had a sergeant that was very uh, good in drawings and did all these drawings for them. So you're saying that the the military actually witnessed these things? Yes. Not all of them. Some of the drawings were from descriptions of the, the people. Mm -hmm. This specific uh, device with two beings uh, was not saw by the military, was not seen by the military, was seen by, for example, the doctors that were treating people, the people that were attacked. But this other was seen by the military. Uh, other giants, mm -hmm. yes, other giant uh, objects like 100 meters long, uh, where a being uh, opened the door and, and looked into the military was seen and testimonied by them. So I think they testimonied uh, things more uh, impressive than this, this simple uh, small craft there, according to testimony from the command of the operation, Ura Jolan. Wow. And overall, would you say that Brazil, the government of Brazil is open-minded to this? to uh, trying to figure out what's going on? Yes, it's the, it depends of the the current commander of the, the armed forces, depends uh, of these guys, the leaders. And uh, we have waves of a lot of transparency where they send a lot of documentation to, to the National Archives. We have uh, thousands of pages of documents in Brazil today in our National Archives, mainly for the Air Force. But as I said, it depends of the moment, depends of the people that is in, in charge. So we have times of a lot of transparency mixed with times of uh, no news about that. Mm -hmm. But comparing, have, comparing, yeah. comparing to other countries, comparing to the other countries in history, comparing to the other governments, uh, Brazil for me is one of the, the most transparent uh, in world about that. And, the example is, the real example is, is so if you saw the National Archives, the documentation, more impressive documentation like that, uh, where the military drowned, and the stories about UFOs in bases, we have a lot of crazy stuff that was uh, uh, certified by the military there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I have, uh, I have talked a number of times to someone in Chile, you know, with their uh they i think it's called sefaha uh their ufo uh you know government based program that they have there uh jose le is a 
one of the people that's been on this show a number of times, and they they are they have their whole military involved. They have police departments involved, and every part of their defense is involved in trying to figure out things. I haven't heard much from them in a long time, but uh, it's it's good to know that you know some of your neighboring people are. Uh, you know, neighboring countries are looking at this seriously as well. Yeah, and current right now we have uh, official government investigation bodies into the UFOs in Argentina, in Chile, in Uruguay, uh, in Peru. So uh, in Peru, uh, in 2008, the cases were so uh, aggressive in, 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 this, in, in Amazon, in Peruvian Amazon, that they established the OIFA, which the official body for investigation of anomalous phenomena there in Peru. And that is a curious uh, case, a curious incident, that one night the military called in the middle of the night to the commander with, of this department, which who was my friend, uh, Julio Chamorro. And Julio Chamorro was a, a, a colonel that was commander of this, this investigation body in Peru. And the military said, oh, commander, we, have, we are in front of a, sh a craft here and we are shooting against it. So, and, and, and Julio, Julio said, oh, please take a picture. And they said, no way, <laughs> we are just shooting this ship. So these are the examples of crazy stories involving yes. official uh, military documentation there in Peru. And that sh shows that Br Peru and Brazil has a long history of crazy incidents with this phenomenon? Well, uh, I would say maybe a couple months ago, it's hard to tell the way time goes so fast, but I had uh, Jonathan Weigand um, on this show. It was his second interview, and he was talking about, are you familiar with that? 1997 supposedly came upon uh, a crashed you know, UFO embedded in the rocks in the jungle in Peru. So it seems like there's, regardless, it seems like there's a lot of things that are happening in, in that area, for sure. Yeah, and, uh, and, and ten, 10 years ago to, since 2008, we have, since 2000s, I, I think, in Peru, uh, we have a lot of histories of people being abducted, people disappearing, people being affected by these light beings. And at that time, in the end of the 70s, the command of the operation here in Geolanda, uh, the military also knew that the phenomena was moving from northeast of Peru, from north of Brazil, sorry, from northeast of Brazil and north of Brazil to the Peruvian side, more uh, to the west. And this is a fact because you know that in 2000, uh, we had a lot of waves coming in 2000, 2010, 2015, and right now, uh, in Peru even, and also Brazilian Amazon. That, that is, I just wonder why it seems to affect some areas. You know, there's so much more activity in some areas than there is in others. It's really fascinating. And I don't... Yeah, and, I and, don't, you, and you asked it for me about the beings coming out of the craft. And I didn't respond. I could answer that. We have in the Brazilian federal police documentation that I've obtained, we have an interesting story from indigenous, and these indigenous from Peru and Brazil share the same uh, origins. They are the, the indigenous from Brazil in this area are just indigenous from Peru that migrated, uh, searching for a better life. So they share a lot of stories together. They have encounters to share these stories. And they said that uh, we have a story in Peruvian Amazon that one ship one, one time descended, landed, and from this ship uh, coming out two or three beings uh, of this ship, and the indigenous uh, are, were successful to shot one of the beings. One of the beings uh, fell down and was carried by the other beings to inside the, the craft. So this is hmm. one example of, of cases where they have um, in the past uh, the indigenous uh, sharing stories about this kind of beings. Well, I think it's sad that our first intention would be to shoot something like that, but uh, but still, I would like to also talk about um, the injuries and things that have happened because Brazil, that's one of the things you hear about going way back, and uh, I think it was a military that was uh, injured by light beams 
uh, burned and all that. Uh, but this question came up and it's not really a question. Uh, well, I guess it is. Yeah, what happened in May's Brazil 2020? Do you, are you familiar with whatever that means? Yes, uh, it's not May's, the, 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 the correct name is Magé with G. Oh, Magé, okay, thank Magé, you. Magé, yeah. Uh, in 2020, uh, we have an alleged craft uh, in Magé. Magé is a city located in the state of Rio where I live. And I went there into 2020. It was the first time I, I, I went to a, a field investigation mission about this uh, subject. And I will I will give in, to Twitter a lot of information soon that I collected in the past interviews. I have a video of luminous phenomena that was recorded by a policeman officer. Uh, and imagine we don't really don't know until. Uh, today what really happened we know what we know is that probably something fall from the sky we don't know if it was a ufo it was a, a spy satellite we don't know if it was something military asset uh, but but probably something very strange fell from the fell from from, from the sky in an area of dense forest in in top of a mountain and the military did the operation there i have documentation that we'll share too um, they searched with helicopters for a week there. All the population of Magé saw this military movementation. And at that time, they simply said, oh, nothing, nothing to see, nothing happening. But the fact is that they obtained the documentation showing that there was a military operation carried out there to search for something that we don't know until now what happened. Yeah, yeah. Here's a... I, I agree with uh, Christopher here. He says, how can people be dissuaded from shooting extraterrestrials or whatever they are? It's shocking and tragic. And I, I agree. And it seems like that is our first reaction. You know, I mean, you look all the way back to, you know, War of the Worlds, like, of course, a radio show in the 1930s, you know, on Halloween when that came out. The, and right away, you know, in that story is the military is always attacking, you know, without are always the aggressor and 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 you know there's yeah. Uh, yeah and this behavior is common in if you if you get all the cases since 70s to right now the the most common behavior we have in these stories is people getting shotguns and shooting against something that they they really don't know what are because as i said the people from these communities don't have governmental support they don't have the police they don't have hospital. Yeah. They don't have anyone supporting them, and they have a lot of this. This area has a lot of violence, uh, like drugs, uh, like illegal miners, like organ traffic, uh, like uh, the. Are you saying organ or, organ harvesting? Yes, organ oh harvesting. My God. Yes, Oof. and and these guys are are, are very very uh, afraid of these human activities. So everything mm. uh, that's unknown for them, they respond with shotguns because they know that there is no one to protect them. And this is why mm. they, 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 they have this behavior. Now, I'm sure you've watched uh, James Fox, Virginia, uh, on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Moment of Contact by James Fox in that area. And... Uh, that that is just a, that's another case in Brazil that's you know that's really something to that one, and is that something yes. you've ever looked at too? Yes, and this is the case that we have uh, the the large quantity of of witnesses and official testimonies from military, from policemen, from firemen, uh, from doctors, a lot of doctors, including doctors that saw the video of the creature, the doctors that saw the creature live. And this is the case that we have most uh, compelling witnesses of all the cases in Brazil. And this is, the, is a fact that uh, we all uh, could agree that something really, really strange happened there. And there is a very high probability that all everything that James Fox depicted in the, its document is, is real. And, but unfortunately, we don't have any... Uh, uh, official documentation from from brazilian government about that they simply say that uh, nothing happened and i've tried to obtain a lot of the documentation but 
the sad fact is that at that time in Virginia, 1996, uh, we didn't have a Brazilian FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, in Brazil, established it. And the military had the authorization to destroy everything they want. So wow. I tried to obtain, for example, uh, the logs of the vehicles and uh, the ladders and of communications and, and something simple like that. And they simply say that this could be destroyed because they, they could do that at that time. So this is mm. a problem to obtain documents from, from this case. Well, to, just to know that there's most likely video of whatever those beings were um, in the hospital. And, you know, James was like really close to getting that. But in uh, there, the person that is holding that doesn't care about money or anything. And supposedly and there it, it's not going to come out anytime soon it would be wonderful uh because but the only problem with that it would have to be so documented that it was some film that was done at that time the type of film and all that because right now with the ai uh these fakes that are coming out are it's going to be impossible to understand what's real and what's what's fake yeah. and you know that because you're involved in AI, you know. <laughs> and, and no matter how good the film is, that is always margin to people say, oh, this is not real, this is AI because AI is very good today and yeah. Photoshop and so on. So uh, it's very, very difficult thing to... to uh, unless the military comes forward and say, oh, this is real, I filmed this, I certify this, uh, unless we have something like that, it's very difficult to, to officially uh, certify something like that because of what you say, AI is very good today and becoming very, very more and more and more good as the time passes. That's right. And here's a, here's a good point by Stephen. Another extraordinary claims case without any evidence. That is always the problem is the evidence. You know, I mean, that's it's just so frustrating sometimes when you have all these great witnesses and so many people involved, yet they don't really have any hard evidence. And it's, it's frust this, it this is a, frustrating. This a, and we need to agree that's a very good point. Uh, but we, we also need to put in, in the same position as these people in the jungle. Uh, we are talking about, since the 70s, the behavior is the same. We are talking about a very, very tricky, very, very smart phenomena uh, in ways that they only appears where people are not expecting for it. They are alone or are in doubles uh, doing, for example, fishing, concentrated in another thing. And these things comes from the sky or comes from behind to immediately scare these people or shooting light beams on them or whatever they want to do at that time. So... Imagine you fishing in the middle of the river in the Amazon uh, alone and suddenly some, a, a being, armored light being appears from the sky in front of you and you seem to paralyze. You don't have time to think, oh, let me get my phone that I need to show it to my wife. So yeah. it's, very, very, it's very simple. It's very uh, easy to, to judge these people. Uh, without know how this phenomenon behavior there in the middle of the jungle. I, for example, me, myself, uh, I, I, I was in, I encountered some, not beings, but like that, but other kinds of phenomena. And I stayed paralyzed because I simply couldn't think about uh, get my camera because I was so uh, freezed. Look at that uh, thing that I never saw in my life. Uh, uh, and not thinking nothing more than look at it and try to 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 think what is that? Try to to describe that. So it, it, it's 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 a good point, but we also need to to get in position of these people and how this phenomena behave in that sneaky uh, way, sneak activity in front of these people. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've said a number of times, like, um, you know, my UFO encounter that I had back in 2007, if I had a camera beside me, I wouldn't have picked it up because I was in the moment just trying to figure out what the heck I was seeing. So it is it is uh, uh, now I feel as though it'll always be ready. But, you know, that could happen again. It certainly could. Um, 
So I want to talk about um, the injuries. Like the part you never really hear much about is, you know, you think that they're benevolent, they're not going to hurt anyone and all that. But it seems to be in Brazil, there has been uh, more injuries when it comes to this phenomenon than you typically hear in other areas. Uh, but there has been a lot of injuries, right? Light beams and things like that. So what do you know about uh, the situation for uh, how these encounters happen? Yeah. Uh, as I said, these this beings of vehicles generally uh, come when people are alone or in doubles. They shot light beams. Most of cases are greenish to bluish uh, light beams uh, that uh, affect people. These people instantaneously become paralyzed, uh, like uh, doped. Uh, mm. They feel like some radiation radiation symptoms like uh, red egg, like red eyes, like uh, a, a, a feeling that they are losing energy. They are totally weak, a totally weakness that sometimes uh, spans like one one week to two weeks in that feeling. Sometimes it's, it's not a rule, it's exception. Sometimes these people had permanent sequela, permanent injuries like disabilities in the, the motor uh, uh, to, to walk. They, 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 they lost the ability to walk properly. Uh, sometimes they had their brain affected in a way that they are, uh, they behave like little childs because they are mm. simply affected in the brains. I visited some of these, these uh, victims of this phenomenon that was in that situation. And these are the, the, the physiological effects that we are talking. And people say, oh, this is a malevolent, this is not, this is an evil uh, activity. But the fact that we don't know, uh, I always give the example about what we do with painters in Amazon. We get these painters, we, we, we dope them uh, with anesthetics, we put GPS ships on these animals. We get them, move from them from helicopters. Uh, we, we do a lot of things that on the vision of the animal, this is a violence, but in the vision of we, it's like a preservation, it's like a research. And maybe the, uh, these beings are doing that in Amazon. They are monitoring us. They are doing putting ships or, or something like that and, and collecting DNA samples or something like maybe to preserve or maybe to study as more. And sometimes people have collateral effects that causes this permanent damage, not because they wanted to, to do that, but it's because the people that uh, received this light beam had previous uh, uh, conditions in their bodies that uh, consequently uh, have this sad uh, conclusion of the case. Right. Um, you know, one of the... the the um, things about, I think about why would all this happen in an area like that? And one of the things I think about is, you know, the Amazon rainforest, I can't remember what the amount of species in there, but there's a massive amount of species, something like two and a half million types of insects. And, you know, uh, so I think that if, uh, you know, this is all just speculation. I'm thinking if someone wanted to study life on the earth, you know, there's an abundance of life there. Uh, people being a very small fraction of life in that area. But it seems to me that that would be a, a great uh, place to, to study. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out why things happen in a certain area as much as they do there. But what seems unique is the beams of light. You know, you don't hear about that in else, elsewhere in other places which is strange. Yeah, uh, they appear only in low-density regions. They don't appear here in the capital of, of Brazil or in capital of Rio, uh, in big cities like Sao Paulo. They, they only appear in, in cities that, are, had, that have a low-density population. In Amazon, we have this, this, as you said, preserved ecosystems, which is a good laboratory uh, to study. So this is, I, I agree with you that 
if we conduct it, there are more intelligent beings conducting a study of these places. Uh, the perfect places to study is the place that has preserved ecosystems and low-density populations because they simply don't want to be seen in, in most of cases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, let's get back to Peru at this point. And uh, I, I guess I'd like to ask about the activity. What has the activity been like? Is it Has it slowed down? Is it continuing? What do you know about that? Yeah, uh, I, I'll share, as I talk, I'll share a few uh, image of the the map of these cases. Sure. Let me share. Uh, but what what we have is that it started, as I said, in June. Uh, it started to go more to the north. It started the same way people are seeing these floating beings. In some cases, people was affected with this light being that paralyzed people. Uh, what's different from these cases nowadays to the cases, for example, in 70s that was investigation for, by the Brazilian Air Force is that in the 70s, these, these light beings were more aggressive. These light beings were like burns in the skin. They, they give some uh, uh, scars in these people. Uh, some material from the skin was visible collected by these lights, but in some way. And this case is more recent in Brazilian, Brazilian Amazon and Peruvian Amazon. Uh, we have these light beings that simply paralyze people, but don't let left marks or something that in the skin of the people. Uh, and so this is why I classify as more less aggressive way these these recent cases. I will share my my screen where I have a map. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, on this. This is a. Uh, did it begin in the south and work along that? Yes, this arrow is the the direction of the phenomena. Here, mm. the first city in the south of Peru is uh, Pucallpa, which is historically mm. a place that we have cases in 2018. This region here, the first one, is the reason that the Peruvian Air Force established the OIFA which is the Peruvian Office of Investigation of Anomalous Phenomena. Uh, we have a huge, huge wave in 2008 here. And we have this phenomena going to north in Contamana, Yurimaguas, and finally Quitos, uh, where they have these cases mainly in August. And in September to October, it started here in the triple border. Here in north, we have Colombia, we have Peru, and we have Brazil. So in this triple border, entering the Brazilian uh, territory, we have the, the first cases here. Uh, the same descriptions, beings that are floating, uh, beings that are emitting light beams on people. And we have uh, most recently, in the beginning of October, uh, cases more inside the, the Brazilian territory in the state of Amazonas. And what is... Uh, it's interesting thing is that this line is the river line, is the path of the river, and all wow. these cases are 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 going with the flow of the river. And interesting also to remember that in end of seventies, the military witnessed uh, many many crafts of different shapes going in and out of the rivers of the region. <laughs> so this is something that is interesting because people. Uh, think more about things coming from the space. But in this case, the Amazon, in 2015 also, we have documentation from Brazil showing that people were, were witnessing, indigenous people were witnessing crafts coming in and out of the water bodies of the region. And we need to remember also that these rivers in Amazon are huge. They are like seas. They yeah. have a stanchion and they have, uh, uh, with it, that is, we, you cannot see the, the another uh, border of the, the, the river, another shoreline. So, uh, this is a huge, huge rivers. These are the seas of the Amazon, and where historically we have these crafts going in and out. And this is an interesting thing. Uh, what a, we only, I can't believe this time has gone by so quickly. We only have like uh, three and a half minutes left, but, um, 
has anyone that you know of, this probably might seem like an odd question, but has anyone described them going in and out of water without any splash or anything? Are you familiar with that? Uh, we don't, I don't have any, any uh, testimony like that about the behavior yeah. of the water when they go in and out. But yeah. in Brazil, we have cases where they saw beings, not crafts, but beings that were coming in and out of the river. And uh, this is we not we, we did wow. not heard that in Peru, we, we, but I did I have the testimonies here in Brazil about that. And the Brazilian police conducted an investigation in these communities and they call in these pirates in Brazil. In Peru, this car they call it then <laughs> uh, illegal jetpack miners, and in yeah. Brazil they are calling these pirates from the rivers, these beings that are coming in and out yeah. of the, the rivers and scaring this population. I guess they have to they have to come up with an answer. It always is the case where they come up with an answer, try to calm people down. But, yeah, sometimes the uh, answers can not even make any sense at all. That's pirates going in and out of the water. No, no, no uh, scuba gear or anything bizarre. So uh, we're getting right near the end of the show. Uh, do you have a way for people to reach out to you if they would like to uh, discuss anything with you? Do you have like a presence online? Yes, uh, I have. I have the Twitter. Is the 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 channel that oh, that's I right. use yeah. English uh, yeah. that you could put uh, after the show on the description or something like that. But sure. for yeah. people who want to sex, it's like my name, Twitter x.com. Twitter is called x x.com slash You can find me there. There you have also my contacts, my email. So I think Twitter is the best option for yes. people who want to reach me. Excellent. I think that's how we were in touch in the beginning. So thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, thank you. For, uh, you have very good English. And I really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Okay. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. So we'll be back next week. Uh, we have, uh, I believe it's uh, from Britain. We have Richard Rokeby on he is uh, an author of a book that just came out. Sounds really interesting. So we'll see you here next week. Don't forget to go over to uh, Crossfire this Thursday evening on this YouTube channel. And I'll be hosting that particular show. Kevin Randall will be sitting in for one of the people. Thank you so much, everyone. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky. <laughs>